Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin on episode two of our spiritual living series, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So if you are doing an activity, just do your activity and use this as a deep breathing exercise. It gets you really present and super engaged in whatever you're doing. Otherwise, if you can, sit down and take this pause. Sit comfortably in your chair. Uncross your legs and place your palms open on your lap. And if you're seated Indian style on the floor, just lean back and let's just do a little shoulder roll. Just bring your shoulders up to your ears and pinch them real tight and then scroll them back down your spine. Let your arms hang for a moment. Let's do that again. Pinch your shoulders up to your ears, roll them back and down. And now place your palms open on your lap. Now your heart is open. Your chest is open. You're sitting upright. You're in a, a position of comfort but attention. All right, let's begin to breathe. Breathe in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And on the exhale, just release any tension you feel and relax. Breathing in again, pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Exhale and release any tension you feel. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. On the exhale, relax and let go. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Exhale, release, and let go. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and think of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you think of that one thing, breathe in that golden gratitude to the top of your head, through your core, into your heart, to every cell of your being, and exhale and let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in that pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and toes, exhale and sink in a little bit deeper. Breathing in that pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being, On the exhale, release and let go. Breathing in that pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and toes. Exhale and be present in your body. Breathing in that pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and toes. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you 
like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in that golden gratitude one last time, on the exhale, allow it to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy and open your eyes. I really hope that on some level that puts some kind of smile on your face. It is just such a beautiful thing when we can take that pause and tune into gratitude. It is that simple pause and that simple tuning into gratitude that can completely take you off a negative mental spiral that you might be in. It can completely elevate your mood. Sometimes we think of moods as being high, but we ought to just think of an elevated mood as feeling peaceful. If you go from feeling kind of crappy to feeling peaceful, that's an elevation, isn't it? (laughs) All right. Now, on to our topic today, which is um, all about spiritual living. I want to talk about um, the richness of a spiritual life. There's there's a couple of components that I've learned from every um, Hindi guru that I've ever studied with. And I've taken classes from Guru Mai. I've spent a lot of time at Sai Baba's ashram, but more than his ashram, I've spent time with an internal dialogue with Sai Baba over the years as a devotee in my earlier days with Richard. For 20 years, Richard and I were devotees of Sai Baba, Satya Sai Baba. And I would say now, you know, after Richard's death, um, I wouldn't say I was separated from Sai Baba, but I definitely saw my spiritual world differently. I took my girls to India right after Richard died. Can you imagine? I had two girls in high school, and it was spring break. It was four months after he passed, and I, I packed them on an airplane during spring break, and in a, we took two days off school, so we were gone for, I think, nine or ten days. And we got on an airplane, and we flew all across the world. It took us 24 hours to get there. <laughs> and we got there, and it was hot and you know, humid and hot, summertime in India, and we went to Sai Baba's ashram. It was quite an adventure. It was always in the back of my mind that if I ever had an emergency, a family emergency of any kind, a health emergency, or any kind of emergency, that's exactly where I would go because I would want to be at the feet of the guru that represented the most love on this earth to me, that was the greatest light Now, a couple things about having a guru I'll share with you. The guru, um, the true guru, is just a teacher. It's a name for teacher. It means that this human being has become the enlightenment of what you deeply desire to become yourself. And they serve as the example, the teacher, The teacher is only meant to serve as the life example for the devotee, for the person who is the student. You're not meant to worship the guru. You're not meant to worship the guru as anything but being the teacher, the light that shines a light on the insight, 
the inner awareness of your mental state of mind and your capacity to learn, your capacity to grow, and your capacity to create and manifest the life that is the life that you came here to live on this earth. So the guru acts as the barometer, if you will, the the helper to navigate your path. The guru is there to assist. The guru is there to share knowledge and wisdom and deep, deep understanding, spiritual awareness. The guru is attuned to spirit. So Richard and I um, became Baba devotees quite surprisingly to me, you know, coming from my background, um, an evangelical Christian home, which I loved. I always had a very um, deep relationship with God. But at some point in my teenage years, I became a little bit separate. I didn't feel like I could live up to the example of Jesus. And I felt that I was so intuitive and so um, empathic in this way and and was really that child that wanted to please, wanted to please God, wanted to do the right thing, that my ego always told me, you're not good enough. You're not doing things right. You're not good enough. And this perfectionism kept me from really, in my teenage years, kept me from really feeling as attuned to God as I always did as a child. So in that chasm of separation, it took me down a path of darkness for a while. I haven't shared too much about this, but I struggled. I struggled in my teenage years. I had an eating disorder, and it was bad. And I had it for several years before I really realized what I was doing to myself. And when I realized what I was doing to myself, I didn't want to kill myself. That was never the point. I had just bought into the material world. I had bought into these ideas that I had to be a certain way. I was a perfectionist. I was a great student. I was an athlete. I was a model. I had all these things going for me, yet I was deeply, deeply separated at that time from God. I was deeply in a dark hole, in a dark place. And it was a climb out, I'll tell you. It took years. It took years to climb out of that hole. But by the time I went to Pepperdine University, I was, I would say, about 85% healed from my eating disorder. And um, unfortunately, an eating disorder kind of takes a life on of its own. And it became a kind of coping mechanism to stress sometimes binging and purging and the cycle that I would get in. And it was embarrassing. And I was ashamed of it. Deep down, I was truly deeply ashamed. I was an overachiever who saw myself as a disaster on some level. And the world saw me as this just together young woman. But deep down, I knew that there were times where I completely fell apart. I knew there were times where I was swallowed up in a darkness that was just so dark. It just took me with it, like a, like a river 
this current is so strong and you're just flailing to get to the surface for air. And at that time in my life, I met Richard. And I remember this knowing that I had never shared my eating disorder with anyone besides my best friend who knew I had it. I had never shared with any guy that I dated that I had this eating disorder. And believe me, eating disorder is very complex. This is not going to be a podcast about eating disorder. I'm just sharing the dark place that I've known in my life, the dark place that I feel like has served me so, so incredibly beautifully. If I didn't know that dark place, if I didn't know darkness, I wouldn't be the light that I am. I wouldn't shine so bright. But here's what happened. There was a day and a time where I knew I had to share with Richard who I really was. I knew he was my soulmate. I knew that I would be with him for my lifetime. I knew that he loved me. And I was so ashamed that when I told him, I I was terrified that he wasn't going to love me anymore. I was terrified that he wasn't going to accept me. And we sat down on the floor and I said, I have something to tell you. And he held my hands and he looked in my eyes and he said, what? And I said, I do this thing. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I told him, I said, I'm almost better. I'm, I'm much better than I used to be, but I'm do, I do this thing. And I told him about it, that I had an eating disorder. And he looked at me and he smiled. He goes, oh, I know a couple of women that do that. He said, my sister does that. <laughs> I know a couple of women who do that. And he just made it so normalized in that moment for me. He, he said, I wouldn't recommend it for your long-term health, but, you know, I mean, it, it's something that other people do. You know, he said, I'm, I'm glad that you're working on it. I'm glad that you don't want to do it, but I'm, I love you and I accept you and I'm here to support you. And in that moment, feeling that sense of unconditional love, it helped me to accept who I am. It helped me to see myself as out of this lens of shame and, and to see myself as being loved and lovable, despite the fact that I, I struggled, despite the fact that I was still struggling on some level, healing from this pattern, this deep pattern, this deep wound that I had um, discovered, this abyss of being separated from God, from spirit, And so then Richard became my teacher and my helper and my assistant and the lover that I needed and the best friend to hold me on the journey back. And it was a journey back to spirit. It was a journey back to understanding deeply who I was and and how I was meant to live and that I had choice Always in our lives, if we can make the pivot toward the understanding that when we're in a dark hole, a dark place, we have choice, but we have to see ourselves as having that choice. And then when we choose, 
we sometimes have to accept the choices that we've made. And I, in my spiritual journey, um, as I learned about Sai Baba, and as he became that teacher for me and Richard in our young adult life, I began to see through his eyes and through his teachings that there was a way out, that there was a way to live spiritually. There was a way to live in my true nature, to love myself as I am, to accept myself fully as I am, to accept the shadow part of myself, but let the light shine. Let the light be the prevalent piece of who I am for the world, for myself, for my family, for everyone. I want to share a prayer with you because it's a, it's a prominent prayer that I say every day, and that is, Divine Love, play me as an instrument in your finely tuned orchestra of life. Divine Love, play me as an instrument of light and love in your divine orchestra of life. Come back next time, and I promise you I will talk about ego and your true nature, and I'll teach you how to attune to spirit and your highest self. Thank you so much for listening. Come back again. Don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. Are you feeling anxious and overwhelmed by recent global events? This is the perfect time to learn how to access your mental health and well-being. And the good news is, you can rewire your brain to feel calmer during this unsettling time. With Christine's new Don't Sweat the Small Stuff Happiness Training course, you can be mindful, practicing mindfulness for clarity and calm. You'll learn how to develop your mindfulness practice from the comfort of your own living room with mindfulness teacher, Dr. Shauna Shapiro. Now you can enjoy two happiness training courses for only $29.99 at don'tsweat.com.